We had a collaboration with some Chinese com uh, Chinese uh, scientists. Here we have a vaccine. What is the problem? Get over it. What we are very proud of now is that we penetrate the cabinets. Seriously, I'm, I'm making a serious point. I don't know what half of them are protesting against. We've still got Fauci walking around free. The man should be in irons in the darkest pit. As much as he touts that he cares about it, he doesn't. This is our revolution. It's not theirs. Don't let them take it from you. Don't let them convince you that it's their revolution when in fact it's not. It's ours. And we will have it. It is Wednesday, the 23rd day of March, the year of our Lord, 2022. I'm Johnny Anderson alongside Bruce Adams. Bruce, good to see you. How are you today? Healthy and alive. Yeah, doing well. Listening to the wonderful sounds of uh, construction workers or whatever the hell they're doing out, be out happy they're working. in front of my yeah, house. Just be, it's, it's good that they're actually working. Yeah. You know, I'm sure they're happy they're working, right? A lot of people well, out of a job. To be, fair, they, to be fair, they're probably happy they have a job. That, that's true. Um, and it's actually, it looks like a fairly easy job. They're just standing around as the machine shoves a pipe into the ground and pulls along an orange uh, tube. Uh, Must be a and union they, they shop. They just stand around and talking. Are they know? government? So I, I don't know, actually. I, the, the side of the truck is a, a rental company. Um, I see. All of their trucks are, are rental company trucks. Yeah, yeah so I was kind of like, this is yeah, weird. It, so it's probably, it, it's probably city. Yeah, could, well, there you go. There you go. That's, uh, that, again, that's government. Yeah, that's what they'll do. They'll get paid. And, you know, I, I know people that do this kind of work. And quite frankly, they all agree with me when I say, hey, do you really get paid, I don't know, uh, $185 an hour to just stand around? They're like, yeah, pretty much. Now, if you made that kind of money around here doing a city job, you'd be making bank. But yeah, you, you don't make that kind of money here. Yeah, well, I mean, if, obviously if, I'm exaggerating a little bit, but you know what I mean. It's just like yeah, they're yeah, overpaid to, to just kind of stand around and not do a whole lot. I, I will I will say my grandfather would disagree with you, um, but he worked for the county. That's and different. He worked his ass off. That that's was different. different yes. that, that's a different that's a different time. That is a different time. I know people uh, that in my family used to work for the state. And you know what? They used to work as in like 10, 12 hour days, nonstop. They used to work. There was none of this standing around stuff. Anybody that was standing around, they'd be thrown off the job. But different time and you know, different time. And to think that was he retired like 20 years ago. So if that, if that gives you any idea of how quickly things have degraded, that was the work ethic 20 years ago. I would argue we don't have a work ethic these days. We're talking now about telecommuting and, and, and going into the metaverse for your job. So is that really a work ethic? It's more like a playground when you go into this damn place. Uh, or at least uh, so I've heard. A, you, you, you made mention of that. It, it might actually be risky now to use uh, metaverse to uh, work from because I seen a headline talking about uh, you may now feel pain, physical pain oh, in metaverse. Really? Yeah. How's Apparently that they're making some kind of. I don't know if they're making um, I didn't go into the article in depth to find out if it was they were having faulty equipment or if it's uh, something like a haptic feedback suit and it, it I don't know, or a neural interface or something. I don't know. But why, why? What? What is the fascination with this? What? What is it like this? This whole this haptic feedback. You know what? I, I get asked what I don't have it on any of the, the like the new stuff because I've I, I've got total control over it. But I had a phone once that had the whole haptic feedback. You know, every time you touch something, and it's like I feel like this thing's trying to shock me every time I touch it. It's it's annoying. It's just uh, gone awful. I, I I'll 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 push back and say um, for my phone having haptic feedback, uh, knowing that. 
it's registering a key press because like when you push when you when you when you type on a keyboard you hear the actual you can feel the key press and you can hear the actual um, mechanism going off so you know you press the key whereas with a phone and a touchscreen you don't you don't have any kind of uh, feedback that you're actually pressing a key so having the, a little bit of haptic feedback lets you know that you're you're pressing the key so you can type fast you know and, and you can know what the software limit is so i personally i, I like it well I, I to each their own i suppose but i don't want any haptic feedback i don't want uh, some kind of um uh, stimulation suit. I, I don't want some clunky thing I'm wearing on my head to go to some place that doesn't exist. Again, that's just me. I don't have any you, interest in you, that. You don't want a skin tight suit that costs a lot of money that vibrates. No, no I don't. Oh. And I don't mm. want something that I can wear on my head that looks like something from the 1980s. D does anybody not know that we've had this kind of 3D technology since the 1980s? The technology has not advanced much further than that. Yet the software has gotten a little bit better. And of course, the uh -oh. like the chips and everything, all that stuff's gotten lighter and, and smaller and stuff. Yeah, sure. But that's resolution not... and the graphics quality and everything has increased quite a bit since then as well yeah okay okay but... fine it has but the size of these things and the weight of them hasn't really changed that's all been the same i remember this crap back in the 80s when they were showing this stuff off and it was like it was thousands of dollars to get one of these things uh but i remember um what was the what well, nintendo actually experimented with something like this they actually released a system i remember it back in the 80s uh i want to say it was called like the I want to say it was a virtual, uh, virtual something, Vir virtual. Uh, I almost want to say virtual boy, but that doesn't sound because they had the Game Boy at the same time. Mm -hmm. uh, I want to say it was something yeah, like virtual that. Virtual boy, virtual boy. It's okay, a that's bit tabletop, uh, portable video game console developed and manufactured yeah. by. I'm, I'm, hang on, I gotta pull it up to read it. Yeah, it wasn't out very long. I remember, uh, I remember back in the day. This is, you know, back in the '80s when, when that was a thing. '95. It was Nintendo was it in '95. Was it '95? Yeah. Wow. You know, they actually sold 770,000 of those. That can't... No, it had to be, had to be before that. It had to be that's, before that. That's what, yeah. It the had to be before display, that. Stereo, st stereoscopic 3D graphics. Yeah, yeah. So do you see what I mean? Like, this this is old technology. This is not something that's new. This stuff's like 30 years behind. As in, like, the, yeah, the, the stuff that's... The graphics, though. The, the graphics are a huge, a huge difference. I actually am... Uh, I, I do actually own a VR headset. Oh, it's God, never, do you really? I, I have never actually taken it out of the box to use it because I just don't have room anymore. I know that anymore. you told me you were you were talking about buying one, but I didn't know you actually bought one. Did you get the wireless system? I didn't. I didn't buy it. Um, oh, somebody it got hand it for me you. Down. Oh, it was a hand-me-down. Yeah, okay. it was a hand Yeah. Is it a wireless Someone, system? Uh, oh, no, no, no. Uh, oh. I won't do the one of the wireless ones, even for that. It's all, it's a, it's a, it's a, one of the older, uh, not really older, but uh, Vive headsets. Um, I mean, it's, you know, it, it's decent for what it is, but anyway, uh, someone I know got a upgraded system and they gave me theirs and I intended to use it. It's just, I don't have any room for it right now. You, you need a little bit more space and I'm a fairly tall individual. So, you know, GP yeah. and I were walking around in a store over here and it was right when the new wireless, uh, I want to say it was like the Oculus or whatever it was, the, the wireless Oculus came yeah. out yeah. and it was like eight ninety nine. And we're walking through this store and he's like, all right. He's like, hey, man, we, we got to get on that. We got to get that. I said, are you out of your mind? I said, I have no interest in whatever that is. I, I, I really don't care about any of that stuff. And then, then we went up. It was like a three story uh, electronic store we went into in, in a shopping mall. And we're on the second floor where they've got like all the LCDs and everything. And 
we're looking at this 105 inch LCD. We're standing there looking at this thing. I mean, it's massive, right? And we're standing like two feet from it. And I said, I'm just like looking at it as in, in all of its glory. And I'm like, why, why would I need one of these things? And he says, tell me why I don't need one of these things. So it's the yeah, same, yeah. it's the same concept with like this, this 3d stuff, man. It's like people tell people say, tell me why I don't want one of these things. I said, because why would you want to go to some made up fantasy land? It's like, you really want to go to these places that, uh, that, that Zuckerberg and these, these idiots want to sell you? No, no. And don't tell me that's not going to be linked to your, um, uh, your your social credit stuff in the future, that's all going to be tied into that. Your internet uh, ID and everything else. The Oculus already is. Is it really? The Oculus, the Oculus is tied to your Facebook. You have to have a Facebook account to use the Oculus Rift uh, games and whatnot. I, I, in fact, I, I don't even know if you have access to the Oculus unless you log into Facebook. I'm not wow. really sure how all that works. Wow. But I know it's tied to it now. The new models are tied to it. And if you have a ban, uh, banned Facebook account, you can't actually use the Oculus. So I knew that Facebook had actually it's, bought one of those yeah. companies or or they were tied in with a guy that because that, there was like some bad blood there or something. I, I remember seeing the, the media was, headlines yeah. on that. Yeah, yeah. The the uh, the guy that created the Oculus Rift, the guy that figured out the um, so part of the problem that was plaguing the the VR headspace, you know, the is the algorithm that brings the imagery through to the to the um, both eyes and trying to synchronize and all that. Anyway, the, the, just the algorithm that is involved there. Some kid figured it out in his uh, trailer, uh, literally at the time he was in a trailer and um, became a billionaire because of it and figured out the Oculus Rift and Facebook bought it out. And with the sole part of the contract, I guess you would say is he had to be on there. Like he had to be part of the team. And eventually Zuckerberg, um, because the kid would not support whatever candidate Zuckerberg wanted him to support, he was a Trump, he attended a couple Trump rallies. Zuckerberg um, basically said, you're going on vacation. And then when he got back from vacation, it was like, you're going on a long vacation. Got back from that long vacation and he's fired from the position or forced to resign. One of the two. Doesn't sound politically motivated or anything, does it? Mm, no, no, not, no at not at all. Not at all. Not at all. Well, we talk about tech to start out with because the whole metaverse and everything, I mean, it's becoming a, a bigger thing. They're going to shove it in your face, whether you like it or not, just like everything else. They're going to shove it out there, whether you like it or not. They're going to give you a digital currency, whether you want it or not. They're going to give you a digital wallet, whether you want it or not. But does it come without risk? It's a good question, right? Does it come without risk? You see, the whole concept that, that these corporations and these governments have, and these social engineering companies have been able to do is they give you something. As in, they, they sell it to you like it's something that's convenient uh, and you don't have to worry about uh, privacy. Just kind of toss that aside. You don't need to worry about that. We'll take care of all that stuff. This is for your convenience. You need this. Then they start to dial back on it, don't they? They give it to you for almost nothing. They get you addicted to it. And then they start to take it away, charge you more for it, because you then psychologically think through the marketing techniques they've used to get you to that point that you need it. So you're going to pay more for it. So they extract more money out of you. This is like what we're dealing with with the, uh, the Internet cost in the United States. Look at the cost that you pay for Internet access in your home in the United States. It's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. It's always been ridiculous. I remember I, I, I want to say like, um, what was I paying like 10, like 12 years ago in the U.S., I was paying. I was paying $79.95 for 11 megs a second, right? That was fast then, right? Like 12 years ago. That was fast to bring it into your home. Uh, $79.95 just for that. 
And I'm like, what? why does that cost so much? Why on earth does that cost so much? It's even worse now. You get the higher speeds, they're like, oh, we're going to charge you more. I know somebody that's paying $120 a month now in a, in a U.S. city just for internet, nothing else. $120 a month. For what? For what? Why do you pay that exorbitant amount of money for that? I that's get pretty ridiculous. It is I get, ridiculous. I, I, we pay 80 bucks, which this is a fair price for America. I pay 80 bucks for a gig up and down. Yeah. And if I told you what the price was here, you'd flip. You'd flip. I mean, it, when I say flip, I'm not talking about as in it's expensive. I mean, it's cheap. It's cheap by comparison. If you look at some of these advertisements for like uh, some of the bigger providers like Verizon or something like that. If you live in a city like Philadelphia, New York, Boston, Chicago, these places, you're paying 300 a month. Easy, easy, probably more than that. And it's just ridiculous. But now they're going to start dialing back a notch, right? Because in a lot of these providers across the United States, not only are they charging you more, but now they're limiting your access, are they not? They're putting data caps on your usage, right? They were doing that with um, with mobile phones, for the longest time, oh, you've got unlimited internet. You can access the, the 3G network and everything, which they shut that down, by the way. Not over here, but uh, in the US, they shut it down. You can access the 3G network. You've got unlimited data for 1995. Now you don't. Now you have to pay uh, whatever if you go over, right? They put caps on how much you could use, unless you're grandfathered in with one of the old plans that you're able to keep. Maybe they're doing that in the big cities, but here in like the rural area, even even the company I was with before, they weren't doing any kind of data caps. It just they, hasn't gotten there There was yet. rumor. There's rural there was parts rumor they were going to do it. They're doing it. Yeah. They were rumoring that they were going to do it here. And it was uh, talked about, but they had so much uh, pushback. I don't think they were going to do it. But the company I'm with now, they can't do that because it's the same. It's It's a local company that's doing it. And the same problem that the city council was running into when they did the mask mandates is the same problem they would run into here because people just won't have it. Do, do you mean somebody pulled a firearm on the city council person yeah. when they talked yeah. about mask men? Okay, I, I see. Yeah, I'm not sure they wouldn't do something like that for internet access because it, contrary to the mask mandate, the mask mandate was just an inconvenience. Uh, and it, in some cases, it was actually literally a health risk, but it wasn't severe, if you will. Um, whereas your internet access, that is your livelihood now, um, in many cases. So having a restriction on that is kind of, um, yeah, that doesn't, that's, that's not going to fly. So you see my point, you see my point is if they get you addicted to something, then they charge you more for it and then they give you less of it. And if you get put in that position, well, then people are going to react to that, as you just said, right? With that type of attitude. Okay. What about if you didn't have access to it at all? And we've talked about this before, many, many times before, because we believe that this is in the cards and this is the next thing they're going to play. Cyber attacks, right? That means complete disruption of service of all kinds. And it's more than just your internet access, because let's think about how much of the infrastructure, the critical infrastructure is tied to the internet, right? Now, I don't know why a lot of this stuff is tied to the internet. I really don't know. Why is it there? I mean, we survived many of uh, generations before this without that. So why all of a sudden is it all tied into the internet? Doesn't make any sense to me. Because it's more efficient. That's yeah, why. It's more efficient, right? Yeah, sure. I'm being facetious, obviously. Yeah, somebody in uh, Ohio needs to monitor the electrical grid of some place in Texas for whatever reason. I, I don't know. That's just ridiculous. There is. I, I, I will. I will actually. Now that I say that and was being facetious for water meters, 
you would have to have somebody go around same thing with gas and you know you would have to go around and look at the meter and then they would have to write down and blah 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 whereas now yeah well yeah now you can have some dude sitting in an office do the same thing from the computer so it does make it quicker it saves on gas and you know somebody driving around and doing it you do lose out on people you know jobs but it's better for the environment so i mean clearly that's better right True. But we've been talking about how this is going to be the next play for the establishment, a desperate, dying, flailing establishment that have failed on just about every front. You see, they're going to try everything now to try and get you to um, bend, shall we say, bend the knee, if you will. You didn't do it with COVID. You pushed back on that. You saw through that. You didn't do it with the uh, the Russia-Ukraine thing with Zelensky and the fact that they actually funded and bred neo-Nazis in the country. They, they didn't get you to bend the knee with that. So now they're going to try economic starvation and literal food starvation to get you to accept rationing and a currency collapse that they've engineered the collapse of to get you to take a digital ID to say that they need it to manage rationing. But then again, how's that going to work if you have a cyber attack? The Spanish train system was knocked offline yesterday. The entire country was knocked out. Their entire transportation system was knocked out because of a cyber attack. Taiwan was in the dark for, was it like six hours a couple of weeks ago? Something like that? Complete blackout. You've had Klaus Schwab, the likes of Klaus Schwab, since 2020. And we've been warning about it here ever since then, talking about a cyber attack. He said this. But still pay insufficient attention to the frightening scenario of a comprehensive cyber attack, which would bring to a complete halt to the power supply, transportation, hospital services, our society as a whole. The COVID-19 crisis would be seen in this respect as a small disturbance in comparison to a major cyber attack. To use the COVID-19 crisis as a timely opportunity to reflect on the lessons the cybersecurity community can draw and improve our preparedness for a potential cyber pandemic. Now, why would he say something like that? Well, it's pretty simple because that's what they're planning to do. See, these people have some kind of a um, some kind of a sick code about themselves where they have to tell you what they're going to do before they do it. Now, Klaus Schwab is banking on the fact that people don't have a memory, which by and large, we actually don't. We have the average attention span of goldfish, which is about three seconds. So who's going to remember him saying something like that all the way back in 2020, in June of 2020? Who's going to remember that? Well, We've been seeing sporadic outages over the last year or so, haven't we? Oh, Spotify's down, Facebook's down, Instagram's down, Twitter's down, uh, Google's down, you know, all this stuff. They've been kind of testing things here and there. And then, quite frankly, I think that you've seen a lot of, and I think all this is engineered, by the way. Do I think that, there, are there black hat hacker groups out there that do this for, um, what do they call it, Bruce? They're, they're lols or whatever it is? Not just lols, uh, real, real quick. Not just lols, they, they are terrorist. Yeah. So this this goes along the lines of like the ransomware stuff too, is is that stuff where they'll they'll actually they'll put a piece of software in something like an attachment in an email or something. Someone will open it up and then all of a sudden they've grabbed control of the entire system and they'll hold it hostage for 
uh, I don't know, 800,000 or something like that. Um, I, I actually, I know somebody that dealt with uh, something like that through their entire business infrastructure because they opened something that they shouldn't have opened. And so they were completely compromised. Anyway, how's that going to fare with, see, and this is where I, I half think that the system's trying to, to, to war with itself because make no mistake, does anybody really think that with somebody like Klaus Schwab saying something like that, does anybody not think that if something, or excuse me, when something like this happens, that that guy's not going to be at the top of a suspect list? I mean, really? I, Bruce, you're shaking your head. You don't think so? For me, I mean, I'm paying attention, right? I, I'm, I guess I'm talking to the people that are paying attention. The people that are paying attention. When something like this happens, don't you look at them saying, well, these are the sons of bitches that did it. It's the same thing with the colonial pipeline hack. That was not done sporadically by some group of Russian hackers. It was probably done by people that are in the U.S. government or intelligence services or whatever themselves. Because, and the only reason I say that is because of the way that they say they <clears throat> apprehended the people. Never knew who they were, but they let the cat out of the bag on it when they said the pipeline's offline uh, because of a cyber attack. Well, do you know what? I remember hearing several people that worked on Colonial at the time. They called into various radio talk shows and they said, listen, we have fail-safes in place to ensure that this kind of thing has redundancy so this doesn't happen. If they want this to be open, then we can go in there and we can open it. The fact is, is that we're not allowed to go in there and open this up. So it was being intentionally shut down. On top of that, the FBI says that they seized crypto wallets. How on earth did you do that? That was the big tell right there. And what's even more of a tell and I'll let you jump in on this, Bruce. What's even more of a tell was they said, oh, yes, we seized, what was it, 850000 in Monero. Good luck trying yeah. to seize, let alone Monero. Good luck trying to seize a crypto wallet, let alone Monero. You're not even going to find it. Monero's not traceable. That is a cryptocurrency that is not traceable. You're going to seize eight hundred and fifty grand in untraceable crypto? I don't think so. I don't think so. It would have to be a feat in and of itself to seize a crypto wallet to begin with, right? If the crypto wallet is... Um not on an exchange. So for example, if uh, the government bought Monero and then uh, sent it to a wallet and the wallet was part of an exchange, then yeah, you'd be able to track it because it didn't go anywhere and that that's easily accessible online. But if they would have transferred it from there to a personal account uh, or you know their own wallet, yeah, that's it. You, you don't know where it went uh, at, at that point. Uh, Monero is, when there's transactions like that, it doesn't show where the transaction, like where it leads. The It doesn't show any of that information. Whereas others, you, you kind of have receipts, you have a, a bit of a paper trail, and you can narrow it down much easier with things like Bitcoin, for example. So if you want a uh, more anonymous uh, system, Monero is the way to go. It's very difficult to track. It's not impossible, but it's very, very difficult. And the FBI, uh, I'm sorry, I don't think you're competent enough to go in and seize a, a, a cold storage account from someone that has Monero. Uh, no, I'm sorry. Not happening. Unless, of course, it was an inside job. And in which case, yeah, I, I think you did uh, in that case. And with what we've seen with the Gretchen, have you seen any of the Gretchen Whitmer case here lately? 
Uh, no. You know, the kidnapping? No. So they, they well, have those guys on trial right now. Yeah, but like 16 out of the 18 of them were feds. Oh, it's far worse when you start looking into the trial and you look at what the, the feds did. The entirety of I it, heard about was, it. A, was a fabrication. I, I heard about it. Yeah. It was like the entire case was more or less. It was it was, it was entrapment. The, the more, more or less it, the entire it case. It was entrapment. I heard that. Now, this is what I heard. I don't know if this is actually uh, the case or not, but I had heard that... Uh, the FBI is in the informants. They would come in and they would <clears throat> put some shoelaces down on the table. And after everybody was all tuned up, shall we say, then they would turn the cameras on and say, yeah, we should uh, we should go kidnap the governor kind of thing. That's and yeah, that's what they did. They got that's what they all, did. They either got them coked up or uh, there were other instances where they're on uh, weed and whatnot. And in one instance, one of the uh, one of the guys is. Uh, so destitute he's living in like this broken down basement and it doesn't even have a bathroom he has to go to the next door the business next door to use the the bathroom i mean the dude is poor and yet uh oh and also the the group hates each other like everybody in the group hates one another they don't get along they're they're constantly mocking each other one of them i think called another one uh uh what was it like captain autism or something like that uh like that that was the nickname he had for him it's they were not getting along and the informant was saying no no you have to keep this group together and was you know trying to get the anyway it was all the 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 group would have disbanded if not for the the informant if not for being coked up and the illicit drugs that the informant brought that the fbi agent brought if it wasn't for that you wouldn't have gotten the uh the, the crazy whatever and the thing is, is the, the FBI agents, this is what they argued. They said, uh, we, we proposed ideas that were less dangerous, uh, you know, to, to, to um, deescalate the situation. When, when you look at the records, they were the ones instigating the entirety of it. I have a question, and it's a pretty obvious question. Why were they in there instigating anything to begin with? Uh, yeah. Also, fun fact. So before we started today... I was watching a little bit of a podcast, very well-known mainstream um, podcaster, uh, conservative. They infiltrated Antifa here a while back, and Antifa gave them a sawed-off shotgun and was going to have them use it in one of the protests. And um, Mostly peaceful. Most, yeah, mostly peaceful protest. Um, they turned that into uh, law enforcement and told them, uh, yo, this is the guy that, that did this. This is what was going on. They're... they're and the FBI wanted nothing of it. Come to find out, the guy that gave him the shotgun was an FBI, was an FBI informant. <laughs> and do, would you happen to know how they figured it out? Because he's one of the informants on the Gretchen Whitmer case. Wow. That's how they figured it out. Wow. So, yeah, there you go. So I bring all that up, uh, circling back to Pulisaki. If, if they're doing that with the Gretchen Whitmer case uh, and the Antifa situation. Why then do we not suspect they did the same thing with the um, the pipeline situation, the ransomware? Why is that out of the realm of possibility? Or any future cyber attacks that pop up? Why would we not um, be looking at them? January 6th. As, yeah, exactly. January 6th. Why would we not be looking at them as public suspect number one? I mean, it, it's like you're, you're out there, you're advertising through all of your talking heads that this is going to happen. And then when it happens... You say, oh, yeah, see, we told you. No, 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 no. The average person out there doesn't have the wherewithal to be able to pull something like that off, myself included. But if I'm running around 
telling people, hey, this is going to happen. Uh, we don't know how this is going to happen, but it's going to happen. Oh, and by the way, we're going to use this opportunity because we told you it was going to happen. We're going to use this opportunity to grab more power uh, and we're not going to let go of it because it's for your own good. It's for your safety. Why on earth would you not think that that was a setup from the start? Common sense tells you that that's a setup. Have we ever seen this in history before? Where, where a government body like this would do, I don't know, maybe, maybe, maybe some government under something called an Iron Curtain, something, no. something about no. the KGB or something like that. No, I don't know. I, kinda, I don't, mm. No, I don't think so. Never heard of anything like that. President Joe Biden has issued warning. I, I didn't even know he issued the first one. He's issued another warning of a possibility of a Russian cyber attack on critical infrastructure in the United States. As a matter of fact... He was saying this. But uh, look, today, my administration is issuing new warnings that based on evolving intelligence, Russia may be planning a cyber attack against us. As I said, the magnitude of Russia's cyber capacity is fairly consequential and it's coming. The federal government is doing its part to get ready. But under U.S. law, as you all remember, the private sector, all of you, largely decides the protections that you will or will not take. The federal government is getting ready. What does that mean? Does that mean you've already got legislation in a drawer somewhere ready to go, or you've got an executive action that's already drawn up that's uh, ready for a signature? Is that is that kind of what you mean by the government's getting ready? Or we've got agents that are standing by to enact Order 66, and they're going to kill the system from the inside. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, it, here's the other thing. And I'm not saying that that Russia doesn't have uh, some very good hackers. I'm sure that they do. I'm not saying that. But is anybody paying any attention to another nation here that has a digital totalitarianism that's already set up? Is anybody here paying any attention to that at all? Uh, that's a country that's that's named China. Is, is anybody paying any attention to that? Th this is also a country that uses technology that was given to them by companies like Cisco Systems and Broadcom so they can censor and stomp down and suppress their population digitally. It's the companies that allow them to create the infrastructure to run the social credit system in China and to oppress their people. D does anybody not think that, oh, gee, they might have the capacity to do something like that? Now, I'm not saying that obviously our our governments here in the West, they're no angels. My God, we know that. The Russian government, certainly they're no angels. We know that. The Chinese government, they're certainly not any kind of savior to anybody. But, I mean, let's be equal here, shouldn't we? Shouldn't we at least share an equal part of the uh, uh, the accusations that are being floated around the room? I mean, I'm just trying to be fair is all. My point is, is that when it does happen, and, and I wholeheartedly believe that it is coming, when it does happen... I know me personally, I know who I'm looking at and I'm not looking at some black hat hacker group that's sitting in their parents' basement somewhere. So let me, let me ask you this. Uh, most people have heard of, if, if you're, if you've spent any time online, most people have heard of anonymous, uh, a group of hackers that, that was fairly well known for a while. Now they've done some uh, decently well-known hacks and whatnot. So well-known, in fact, I'm actually struggling to think of any of them that they actually did. That's not really they saying spent, much about it. They, but. they haven't really hit. I, and I, I remember like going back to uh, like 10 years ago or something when Anonymous first started to become a thing, they didn't really hit any infrastructure. What they were primarily focused on at the time were doxing people like public officials, politicians, yeah. staffers, things like that, media people and everything else. Yeah, they were, they were more about stealing information than they were yeah. about infrastructure. Yeah. But it would stand to reason that um, 
political terrorists. Well, that's kind of an oxymoron. They're, they're, it, that's like saying terrorist, 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 cyber terrorists. Why would we think that they wouldn't attack infrastructure or government or any of those things? Why is it they didn't do any of that when they are clearly capable? Is it just because of the perceived strength that the government has? You know, you don't want the weight of the, the United States government falling down upon you or whatever BS that they say. Or is it some other reason? Is it some other nefarious reason? Or is it just simply they were they were legitimately trying to do what they thought was right? And any anything, you know, wh- whatever you do, uh, ends justify the means, right? I find it difficult to believe that there wasn't a hacker group out there that hasn't already done this. That hasn't already uh, tried to hit infrastructure and everything. And why all of a sudden now, all of a sudden, there, we're, we're going to have hackers hitting these things uh, all of a sudden. The security has been shoddy for these things, uh, for the online systems for years. This is like this is very well known that security in the online space pretty much doesn't exist. Basically, you're, you're, you're taking your life in your own hands, more or less. You have to ensure your own security when it comes to the online world. I don't know. I, I, I just I have I have difficulty believing this is a, a new trend. This is all of a sudden it just it doesn't pass the sniff test, just like Ukraine, just like uh, COVID. All of this doesn't pass the, the sniff test. No, it's just the next thing. That, that's all it is. It's the next thing. It's it's to it's to inconvenience your life to keep you off balance, to put you in a state of panic and fear in order to get you to comply. That's what they need you to do. You, you notice they're not. How do I how do I say this? Well, I guess I'm just going to say it. You notice they're not outright killing people like they've done in the past. I'm talking about governments. You notice they're not doing that. I mean, they're not forcibly coming around. And, and taking people out of their homes and shooting them in the streets, are they? No, they're not. They don't have to do that anymore. They've learned from past mistakes. That right there, that's going to cause people to fight back on a mass scale and they're going to lose. So that's not really an option for them. But what they can do now is they can convince you to do it yourself, can't they? That's what they've been doing. People don't understand that the weapons of war have changed. They just don't get it yet. Bruce and I were having this discussion before we started. Let's go back to the First World War, okay? Why were there heavy losses on all sides during the First World War? Because the weapons of war had changed, and you still had people that were fighting that war, field commanders, generals, uh, field marshals, everything else. They were fighting that war on old tactics, They still were focused on fixed bayonet cavalry over the top, you know, kind of thing. Nobody could move until the entire line moved. Just stupid. It was ridiculous. It was horrible. It was a senseless war. It was nonsense. But the tactics had changed. The weapons of war had changed. The Second World War came along. The weapons of war again had changed. The Germans were able to march across Europe in what they called the Blitzkrieg, the Lightning War. They had the mechanized uh, infantry units, the mechanized warfare that they were using, their panzer divisions. No one else was able to compete with that, except for the Americans. And, you know, we were half world away. So it took us a minute to get the theater. My point is, is that, again, we have gone from that era. We're up to now this, aren't we? People are not paying attention to the point where, the, again, the weapons of war have changed. They don't realize that the wars of the future, and I would argue the present, are economic, biological, and cyber. Those are the wars of the future. 
at least for the foreseeable future, and people are being blindsided by it. On top of this, you've got the psychological warfare that's being waged on the population itself. Again, they're not rounding people up in, as in the governments. You know, Edward Dowd mentioned the word democide, which is death by government, which I believe that's what this is. But it's not the government physically coming around and hauling people out and, and dispatching them like they used to do. That's a very nasty thing to do. Instead, yeah, yeah. yeah. Instead, what they're doing is they're using your own goodwill towards another person against you. They're psychologically manipulating you to dispatch yourself. These are very sick, evil, and twisted people that we're dealing with. And the average person out there is not sick, evil, and twisted. Selfish, maybe. But sick, evil, and twisted, they are not. And so they're easily manipulated because they just can't come to grips with the fact that evil like that exists. They just can't do it. God knows I've tried to tell people. The difference is, is that someone like myself, someone like Bruce and, and the, you know, all of you that are listening, that are loyal listeners of ours, people like us cannot be brainwashed. I cannot be brainwashed by this system simply because I've been in that system. I understand how that works. I understand how twisting that logic back on someone else works. I understand the pattern of behavior that they're following. It's not that difficult. I also have had the opportunity on more than one occasion to sit across the table from pure evil. I've looked evil in the eye. And when I see these people that are up on TV and, you know, on the stages like Schwab and these idiots, these people are idiots. They're buffoons. They're morons. They're front people. They're front people that are morally bankrupt degenerates. They have no moral values whatsoever. None. Zero. They're heartless, soulless, gutless cowards. That's all they are. That's all they've ever been. So they will carry this stuff out. But at the end of the day, I'm not concerned about a Joe Biden. I'm not concerned about some pencil neck weasel that's in the State Department or in the Department of Justice or somebody like Klaus Schwab or somebody that's sitting in the United Nations or the World Health Organization, or the European Union. I don't care about those people. I want the people that employ them. That's what I want. I look at a movie like The Matrix, and when he's sitting there, and he's he's looking at the, the Lawrence Fishburne character, when he's sitting there and he says, look, he says, all I'm offering you is the truth. You take the blue pill, you stay in Wonderland, right? You go back to sleep and none of this ever happened. That's your average person that's got a vaccine passport looking for their fifth booster come this fall. That's a blue pill. You take the red pill, and you learn how deep the rabbit hole goes. All they're offering is the truth, nothing more. They're showing you the door, but you've got to be the one that walks through it. I'm not interested in these front people. I'm, I'm not interested in that at all. I know what they're capable of. At the end of the day, I don't care about them. I really don't. Yeah, we play clips of them and we, we get on to them about their policies and stuff. But again, it's not their policies. The World Economic Forum, that's not Schwab's brainchild. He's the person that was fronted to take up that cause. I haven't figured out who that is yet. I'm working on it. Zbigny Brzezinski, you know, I've, I've been mentioning that name for quite some time now. He wrote several books on a lot of this stuff. And, and I, I think geopolitically, this is kind of what we're dealing with. But he stated it many years ago in a speech he gave. I want to say this was to the Council on Foreign Relations. I, I could be wrong. I don't know exactly where it was he gave the speech, but he knew and the guy was the guy was intelligent. Whether or not you agree with his policies or not, I think that's a side issue. But intelligent he was. He's very intelligent. But he knew that going forward, this was not going to be a walk in the park for the upper classes, if you will, for much longer. As in, the longer they waited to to get to the point they're at now to try and take everything over, the more difficult they were going to find it. As I said, governments 
aren't going through their usual uh, processes of um, just outright uh, getting rid of people. They're doing it very slowly and methodically under the radar, hoping you don't notice. Brzezinski gave a speech on something similar to what I'm sitting here describing, and I want you to hear it. It took a, took a while to dig this clip up. You got to hear this. Listen to this. That for the first time in human history, for the first time in all of human history, almost all of mankind is politically awake. And these new and old major powers face still yet another novel reality, in some respects unprecedented. And it is that while the lethality, the lethality of their power is greater than ever, their capacity to impose control over the politically awakened masses of the world is at a historical low. I once put it rather pungently, and I was flattered that the British Foreign Secretary repeated this as follows. Namely, in earlier times, it was easier to control a million people, literally. It was easier to control a million people than physically to kill a million people. Today, it is infinitely easier to kill a million people than to control a million people. It is easier to kill than to control. So you see, there's no going back for those of us that are awake. Once you're in this position, you're, you're kind of stuck there. You don't have a hope. If you're one of these, these organizations like Schwab or any of these governments that are doing their bidding, you don't have any kind of a hope at putting this genie back in the bottle. You don't. The people that are out protesting across Europe, mainly the ones that are protesting in Germany by the thousands every day, those people, those people that think like we do, you know, they, they've gone through so many lengths over the last two and a half, almost three years now to try and isolate you and keep you in a position where you feel like you're alone and you don't have anyone else that thinks like you do. So you need to pay attention to them when that's just simply not true. We're the types that Brzezinski was just mentioning. Those that are politically awakened, such as ourselves, those that are politically awakened, we are not going to be controlled by them any longer. We're not going to take your digital IDs. We're just not doing it. It's that simple. And there's no hopes of that down the line either. That's not going to happen. I would just assume split off and divorce ourselves from these slugs and start our own society away from them. Now, I, I don't know what all that would entail as far as occupation of places or whatever. Uh, quite frankly, I think all these people like Schwab and all these morons that get together in these, uh, these little clubs they got down there in Davos, we should round all these people up and deport them. Pick an island you want to occupy and, uh, and buddy, you got it. You can go out there and do whatever in the hell you want. Do your great reset out there. I don't give a damn. You're not doing that kind of nonsense here. So I think, as Brzezinski was, was saying, and again, he made that speech many, many years ago, and he wasn't a fortune teller, but I think as he understood, or as, as he understood it, it, the way it worked in his mind, and I, I'm, not, I'm not an expert on the man, but I think as he understood it in his mind, he knew going forward, as we got further into the technocracy, that it was going to be more and more difficult to control people that were politically awakened. So I think he was able to see that well enough. Now, nonetheless, that doesn't stop the fact that these people are going to try and do this. They're going to try and do this. They're going to try and bring this in. Again, they don't care. They're going to push a digital currency on you, whether you want it or not. They're going to try and push a digital wallet on you, whether you want it or not, which they've already tried to do that, COVID passports, right? They're going to push it whether you want it or not. All of a sudden, people wake up to this morning that the European Union miraculously has an army. How did that happen? Who voted for that? Anybody? Was anybody even consulted? They've been trying to get an EU army together for decades, and they haven't been able to do it because it's so unpopular. Look at these protests 
across Europe. Bruce, I was asking you before we started, out of all the protests we have seen across Europe over the last going on three years, how many European Union flags have you seen at any of these protests across Europe in any country? I don't care. Uh, The answer to that is none. Not a single one. Not one. You've seen every other flag out there. Every other flag. You've seen the pride flag. You've seen every nation's flag. You've seen flags with smiley faces. You've seen Gadsden flags. But you haven't seen a single European Union flag. Not one. And now all of a sudden they have an army? When Joe Biden made his comment yesterday about uh, a cyber attack, it wasn't the only comment that he made. He made another one. You know, we are at an inflection point, I believe, in the world economy, not just the world economy, in the world. It occurs every three or four generations. As one of the the top military people said to me in a secure meeting the other day, 60, 60 million people died between 1900 and 1946. And since then, we established a liberal world order, and that hadn't happened in a long while. A lot of people died, but nowhere near the chaos. And now is a time when things are shifting. We're going to there's going to be a new world order out there and we've got to lead it. We've got to unite the rest of the free world in doing it. So anyway, first of all, if you're having a secure meeting with a general, you're probably not supposed to say anything about that. That's the first thing. The second thing, I thought a new world order was a conspiracy theory. Yeah. Weren't we told that we were tinfoil hat lunatics? We had no basis for that. No idea what we were talking about. Yeah, a bunch of a bunch of lunatics, bunch of buffoons out there that are that are running their mouths off about something they don't know anything about. And then he says, "We're we're gonna we're gonna lead it." Who? Him? Th- this guy is not even lucid half the time. He's standing up there at the podium. He's gonna lead something. I don't think so. I don't think so. As I said, they're going to push it on you no matter what. They're going to try and bring it in. But it's it's a failing, stinking pile of just rotten garbage that they're trying to wheel into you and tell you. They're putting lipstick on a pig. I've heard that analogy. <laughs> I've heard that analogy so many times, but this time it just fits, right? They're putting lipstick on a pig. That's all they're doing. We knew this was coming. This is what we've been talking about the entire time. As you said, we're conspiracy theorists because we were uh, pointing it out. Jeez, we were pointing it out like in the very beginning of uh, us getting into podcasting. I mean, I mean, the first one we did was on the Green New Deal, which is effectively ushering in exactly this, a uh, social credit system. Yeah, the, the bill had nothing to do with uh, going green. It had everything to do with economic policy and, um, uh, well, you know, racial I, stuff. And I remember I sent that over to GP, the Green New Deal. I remember I sent it over to him and I said, this is what we need to do uh, a podcast on. We need to do a two-part podcast on this Green New Deal. And he says, how long is it? And I said, it's 14 pages. That's all it was. That's probably one of the shortest bills I've seen go through Congress in the last, I don't know, uh, 50 years. Yeah. 14 yeah. pages. And so I sent this over to GP and he looks at it and he says, none of this has anything to do with the environment. This is all about implementing socialism <laughs> is all this is. That That's exactly what it was. And this is kind of a, it's not really, I've heard it coined as communo-fascism. It's, it's a mix of communism and fascism um, in this. That That's basically what it is. But honestly, it's a Chinese system. you can just boil it. It's, you, it's a Chinese yeah, system. You can just, you can boil it down to feudalism. You can, you can boil it down to what we've been dealing with since time immemorial. There's always been this fight about who's the alpha, who's the leader, who's the, who's in control, who's the dictator. This has kind of been a thing that's plagued the human race for a very long time. And we had a reprieve from it. We had the first system that basically said, you're in control of your own life. 
we had the first system that really empowered you to be in control of your life. And now here they are again, rearing their ugly heads again with a policy straight from the pits of hell to try to enslave uh, the populace once again and remove your autonomy. You know, we were uh, we were discussing yesterday offline about uh, uh, about Marxism. And how did you put it, Bruce? Marxism is it was an ideology from where? Yeah, straight from the pits of hell. Uh, that straight from honestly the what? Well, how did I word it? it? Was something about something on the lines of um, it's straight from the god of deceit himself, or or something on the on that line. Well, they are basically are masters of deceit. Hell. Yeah, yeah. Marxists yeah. are masters of deceit. And by the way, when I say Marxist, you notice I say Marxist. I don't say communist. I'm saying Marxist because Marxists come from both the right and the left. Just so you're aware. So I'm not I'm not discriminating here of one political ideology or the other. I'm just saying Marxism in general. Uh, to that point, let me. I want to point something else out that that everybody should be aware of, and you should be noticing it now. Um, we're no longer in a fight of left and right. That that's not the fight we're in. We haven't been in a fight of left and right for a while now. It's just conservatives, at least here in the U.S., have been stuck in this rut of left and right fight. That's not. If you look, people like Bill Maher, they're saying things that we agree with. Bill Maher is a progressive. Bill Maher is a loon. Yeah, as far as far we're left. concerned, he's far yeah. left. But he's calling the people in power right now crazy and is siding with the right more times than he's not. It's no longer a fight of left and right. This is now a fight of, do you keep your freedom or not? Do you keep your autonomy? Or are you going to just give it all up and let them rule your life? Are you going to put on, as uh, we were talking about earlier, are you going to put on the headset and you're, you're just going to live your life in metaverse and they're going to control everything about you? You're just going to be a happy little slave to whatever ideology they put forward? Or are you going to think for yourself? You know, I asked you yesterday to name one single country that's embarked down the road of Marxism. I said, name one single country where it hasn't been hell on earth. Out of any of them that have been created, any of these Marxist societies, any of them, whether that's uh, Nazi Germany, uh, Soviet Union, Pol Pot's Cambodia, Cuba, Venezuela, North Korea, uh, parts of Central and South America, parts of Africa. I mean, I'll, I'll, I can go on and on and on and on and on, just to name a few. Name one of these places that have not been hell on earth, where you've actually had a free and open society, where you've been able to make your own autonomous choices. Name one. Just name one. I'll wait. I got plenty of time. I'll wait. You could even go even broader and look at Iran as an example. Um, yeah. They're not going example. Marxist necessarily, but no. it's on the same vibe. It's it's ninth century of ideology, more or less, is is where they're at. Uh, and that's, you know who I blame for that? I blame Jimmy Carter for that. Uh, by the way, who Zbigniew Brzezinski was Jimmy Carter's national security advisor. I'd just like to throw that out there. Yeah. What do you do? Um, okay. I guess we can kick out of here a little bit early today. Uh, again, I, I really didn't, um, I, I didn't have a whole lot today, but I thought, I thought we could discuss uh, a little bit about uh, world affairs and uh, in the technology side of things, because uh, quite frankly, I think I think when it comes down to what we're about to see in the coming months, if you thought you got blindsided with COVID, I think people are going to get seriously blindsided this time around. As in, you got blindsided by COVID, right? You got blindsided by that. You got blindsided by the Ukraine-Russia thing, but that turned out to be something that's blown up in their faces. Now they're telling you about 
oh, cyber attacks, cyber attacks, cyber attacks. We're paying attention. You, the listener, you're paying attention. The average person out there is not paying attention. They've taken their vaccine. They've got their cute little QR codes, their cute little passports. They're sitting in a restaurant. They're sitting in a bar. They're going to be okay, right? No, they're going to be the first ones that are panicking. It's not the person that prepares that becomes the problem in a drastic situation. It's the people that have not prepared, the ones that are driven by emotions, hysteria, mass psychosis. They're the ones that become the bigger threat because they don't have the ability to think critically, logically, or reasonably. All of that's been taken away from them. All of that's been pushed aside. Their decisions become something that is given to them rather than something they arrive at organically. They're going to be the ones that get blindsided when this comes around. Wait a minute, my phone doesn't work. Well, yeah. D did you think that the phone was actually something that functioned on its own? No. The phones themselves, if they didn't have billions and billions and billions of machines working behind it in the cloud for them to operate, these things would be useless. They'd be useless. They'd make telephone calls. That'd be about it. Which, quite frankly, that's really all you need, isn't it? The people that are addicted to it, the people that are unwilling to sever that connection with that little face-sucking device, whatever that thing is, they're the ones that are going to panic. It's going to be another episode of mass hysteria with that. A cyber attack? Mass hysteria? Imagine, and we didn't even talk about this today, imagine if something happened like what some of us are preparing for. Imagine if, if they hit us with an EMP, a high-altitude EMP. I mean, that's good night. You might as well forget about a cyber attack. That wouldn't even be possible after that. In a scenario of EMP, hell, you don't even need an EMP. You could have, uh, I don't know, the the north and south pole, the magnetic poles shifting uh, and the magnetic field weakening and then a solar flare that normally wouldn't be a problem uh, for uh, electronics here on Earth now becomes a problem and knocks out a bunch of power grids and all kinds of stuff. Uh, you know, knocks out a bunch of satellites and uh, communications are down, electrical grids are down. Under those kind of scenarios, uh, depending on what time of year it is uh, for the hemisphere of the planet that's hit, you're looking at millions dead from from the from the side effect of that. If you it's know, in the middle of winter, you know, more people die during the cold season than they do during the hot season. That's true. You know, it, and on that point, I was actually I was reading a statistic out of the Department of Homeland Security. Take that for what you will. But on this one, I tend to agree with their assessment. And it's it's simply because of what you just posed there that I bring this up. They estimate that after an EMP style event, whether that's intentional or from, say, like a solar flare or something, something that would knock out power grids and in critical infrastructure, communications, everything. Uh, for example, a few weeks ago, there was a solar flare that was ejected, there was a coronal mass ejection, the arc on it was a million miles long. If that would have hit us directly, we would be living in the 1800s right now. If that would have hit us directly, it would have knocked out everything across the planet, everything. All of our satellites would have been gone, all of it, everything, because of the EMP. But the Department of Homeland Security estimates that just in the United States, after events of, or after an event of an EMP, again, whether that's a, a massive solar storm or through something that's intentional, say China or Russia detonates a nuke, I don't know, a couple hundred miles above Kansas City, for example, that's going to knock out all the United States, part of Canada and part of Mexico, and probably, probably some of Cuba, to give you an idea. But they estimate that 90% of the US population would be dead within 12 months 
after an EMP event like that, just to give you an idea. And I tend to agree with those numbers. I'm not trying to be a fear monger here. I, I'm just looking at things in perspective. And it's not because of what you might think. It's not the whole warlords arise and things like that. That's just a natural course of things, sure. But that's not what they did their estimates on. They did their estimates based on the fact that critical infrastructure would be offline. As in, you have no waste and sanitation services. You have no clean running water. You have no hospital services. You have no way of refrigeration. You have no way of, uh, of using any kind of petrochemicals. You have them, yes, but you can't extract more because you need more machinery. And all of that machinery is run by a lot of circuit boards in a lot of these machines, and all of that would be fried. So that's what they were making their assessment on. All of our infrastructure and everything would have to be rebuilt. Everything. We'd have to start over. So that's why they made their assessment of 90% of, of the US population would be dead. Because of that. It wasn't because of uh, you know gangs arising and you know shooting everybody. It wasn't that. I mean, I'm sure you're going to have some of that. But that wasn't what it was. The main thing was the fact that the infrastructure would be down uh, and everybody would be in the dark. You, you would lose your... Uh, critical services and, and things that, that allow us to function and, and live in society now, everything would change. That's probably, I, I was just figuring a number. Um, so if an EMP went off or something like that, I, I would guesstimate rural America would be fine. Rural America, typically, if you live out in the country, you know how to live off the grid. You can you, go you out have and the get basic understanding. Yeah, you can go get yeah. a beer. Yeah, you're fine. You can yeah. fish. So, but... Uh, I, I looked at the numbers and ran through it. Only 46 million Americans live in rural communities, whereas uh, 175 million live in suburbs. Now, there are some suburbanites that technically speaking, I, I live in a suburb technically. I mean, it's, uh, it's kind of more rural area, but it's kind of a suburb at the same time. It's kind of a in-between. People around here could survive. We know how to to live, but that's because this is middle America and that's kind of I, that that's expected. Most middle Americans that I know, at least, even though they live in a suburb, they know how to hunt. They know how to fish. They, they're yeah, out, somewhat have, outdoorsy. You guys have farms. I mean, you'll be you could be farm. True. You know, you'd be fine. You got plenty of land out there to farm from. That's true. And most places I've lived have either been in the mountains, farmland, or, you know, in an area that has a lot of farming or fishing or something. So that that's that's actually fair. I probably don't have a good feel of uh, the rest of America. But uh, in those communities, I know that they would be fine. And, and the thing is, is you have enough people that are uh, generous enough that if something went down like that, they would help them teach how to fish, how to hunt, how to farm, you know, they, they would uh, help one another and ensure, you know, survival, if you will. Um, you know, it's funny, but yesterday I, yeah, I sent you photos of what they were doing here. They were actually taking the, the cattle out and hooking them up to the plows and working the fields. It was quite something. Yeah. That, yeah, I thought that was interesting. And I, I know farms around here know how to do that. There, I, there's a few that I know of that can still do that and know how to do that. In fact, they still use horses to round up their, their cattle. But I ran the number. That's only 14% of the U.S. And even even part of the rural communities, uh, some of them are going to be lost. In, in that, because granted, you, you have older generations that live there that just they have medical conditions that require medications or um, you know, treatment or whatever. So you're, you're going to have you know, people that are going to die. Same thing with suburbs and whatnot. Yeah. It, it, if something like that goes down and you're in a big city, uh, GTFO. 
get get out <laughs> get out yesterday yeah i was actually thinking about uh people if i mean if you're in the city now i would think about moving as quickly as yesterday quite frankly that's part of the problem is if that goes down and you are in a big city there's probably no very little chance that you're going to get out because um there is so many different services that would refract the signal amplify the signal uh, you have power lines that are close that are going to just act as antennas. Your car is probably toast. Every transportation system there is probably toast. Uh, your your subway system might survive, but there's no power to run the subway. And the, the subway, it, it's only there in the city. So wh what are you going to do? So the only way to get out of the city at that point is to walk. Or like they did on 9-11. Like they did on 9-11. You had the people walking out of the cities, out of New York. Yeah. So at that point, though... You're going to have everybody in mass trying to leave. Where are you going to go? Yeah, Do you know how to live out there? Do you know how to process water? Do you know how to hunt and fish? Do you know how to build shelter? You have to know all these things. You have to have an escape plan. Um, or at the very, you know, I mean, get out of the big cities altogether and get into, at the very least, a suburb. At the very least. Get somewhere that's kind of out of the city, that's closer to nature. That's also worst case scenario. Uh, I mean, this is, we're, we're going over stuff that is... But with as crazy things are getting with these psychopaths, would you put this past any of these crazy morons? I certainly wouldn't. I certainly would not. No. I did say we were going to get out of here a little bit early. And what happened? We ran over. It happens. Anyway. All right. We are going to have to go. So for those of you who would like to send us some feedback, we would love to hear from you. Please do so anytime by dropping us an email at dynamicpodcast at protonmail.com. Also, are you looking to try and wake people up? Do you know somebody you're trying to get to think on their own? As we were discussing earlier, you know, the red pill, the blue pill. We would appreciate it if you would just tell five friends about us. That's all, just five friends. If you know someone you're trying to get on the right path and so you can get them thinking on their own, we would appreciate it if you would send them our direction. So we're going to go ahead and jump out of here today. Thank you for being here today, Bruce. Thank you to all of the listeners. Everyone have a fantastic evening.